0: Welcome to the Heart of Soul podcast, an exploration of who you are, what you are, and why you are, offering new ways to investigate age-old questions at the heart of you. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. We continue our series on realizations that come as a result of insolvent practice. Today, we take on the issues of destiny, purpose, and fate. How does one shift the track from their conditioned fate to a healthy, reconditioned soul destiny? How can we take responsibility for our incarnational imperatives if we don't even know what they are? These questions and more frame our conversation today. Thanks so much for listening. Well, greetings and welcome forward, everybody. This is episode 60-something. 6X, (laughs) how about that? Uh, Rounding to the nearest ten. (laughs) <laughs> remember that? I hated learning that in second grade. Around yes. years, the 10th place, the 100th place. Yeah. Yes, It's the same years where you had that green paper with the, yes. the dotted yes. line. I remember being so furious that you were supposed to cross the T just above the dotted line. Yes. Like, what the yes. hell is the dotted line there for if I'm not supposed to cross the T on the dotted line?
1: it has to be exactly on the vertical part of it yeah. at the exact same
0: spot that was yeah. the be- the beginning of my uh, medicative relationship with truth uh goes back <laughs> to i remember being totally upset getting the spelling of people wrong on a spelling test i insisted why the hell is it not spelled p e a p l e arguing with my teacher not yeah <laughs> little did i know that kind of behavior would get me fired 10 times <laughs> By the time I was fire. forty
1: I've gotten more fired. I've got fired more times than I did leaving jobs. So I know just what you
0: mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So we're here here to talk about, uh, (laughs) it's part of my creative expression is is the non sequiturs in the beginning of the episode. Thank you, Stace and audience for bearing with me. Um, today we are here to discuss realization number five when these, the numbers don't matter, but we're on the fifth one on this arbitrarialists that you have a specific purpose for being here ideas feelings of where to start with that
1: yeah um just because we're unconscious of um what happens between lifetimes or that we have multiple lifetimes doesn't mean it's not true Mm -hmm. Um, people ask all the time in fact it's a big deal for westerners uh, if we have all the if reincarnation really is true why don't we remember and we've we've not directly talked about this particular dimension of it very much. We have mentioned it in passing, I think. So mm-hmm. let's let's start there. If that well, seems I
0: have me. a I, this maybe maybe skipping ahead, but I just thought of a corollary to we've we've talked a lot about you're responsible for the contents of your unconscious. Right. But I think the case we're about to make <laughs> that maybe is a headline premise is you are responsible for the contents of your soul, which is an aspect of the unconscious in one way. And therefore your incarnational imperatives, you're responsible for why you're here. Even if you don't know <laughs> shit, if that doesn't make you go shit, you don't get what we're saying yet, but you will. hopefully.
1: Well, you know, I feel a little embarrassed last podcast. I called the God of uh, Christianity and uh, uh, of religionism an asshole. <laughs> So I don't. I can't think. I can't take that back. Um, but the what the seeming unfairness, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would like to name what anyone who heard what uh, Joseph just said. Well, it's one thing to be responsible for my own unconsciousness as a lifetime person, as a human. But now I'm responsible for a, a, a pre-birth incarnational imperative that I I actually had input to set up.
0: Yeah. Well, this happens every day. Like think about how many employees today will be fired and the boss will say this and this and this and the employee says, but you didn't tell me I couldn't do that. Or you didn't tell me I was supposed to do that. And the boss says, well, there are certain things we'll tell you. And there are certain things we just need you to get on your own. And if you don't, (laughs) sorry, like, That's it. There's no instruction manual, like certain things you just got to figure out, like being a parent, you know, Yes. you're responsible for how you're a bad parent. It's the hardest job in the world and nobody tells you how to do it, but that doesn't mean you're not responsible for it.
1: Exactly. So let's, let's, um, uh, listeners just take a breath for a moment. Uh, we'll qualify what we mean, what we mean in identity anyway, by responsible for the content of your
0: incarnational imperatives. Mm, that's a good phrase. Content of your start. incarnational imperatives. Let's, oh, it uh, makes me, part of me is nauseated just saying that sentence. It's like, <laughs> fuck.
1: <laughs> it's, it's not about, in divine beings, uh, uh, multiverse, it's not about fair, it's about real and real <laughs> really feels unfair to the way we've been malconditioned we filter uh on unf- a uh, 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 real as 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 um unfair yeah. because it challenges how we've been malconditioned so if, if people just get that the real you has much less problem with the a content of your imp- incarnational imperatives. Yeah,
0: that's a really, I've never heard you made that uh, distinction before that um, there's no such thing as fair or not fair, there's just real. That's a yes. super powerful anti victimhood uh, distinction. It makes me think of, um, I heard Adyashanti say once, like, um, you know, notice your reaction. You have a, say, a judgment or a reaction to being deceived. What's wrong with being deceived? Camouflage is deception and animals use it all the time. So is, is it not okay for one person to deceive another? Like that's, what's real that happens. You can have a preference about it, but deception is an aspect of nature itself. So we're not victims.
1: No, uh, we, we just have more complex wounds driving our camouflage uh, than yeah. a bird does, <laughs> uh, yeah. and that that's a little different. But it's an apt metaphor, but yeah. it has a, little, a bit of a limit. Sure. Uh, so, uh, what what an incarnational imperative is is you get together with guides before you're born, and, and New Age, now Age, uh, are conversant with what I'm going to say next. We would agree with. We don't agree with much in any of these darker, dim age, uh, new age stuff, but this is one where we overlap. Mm-hmm. You get together with your guides and uh, divine being in some capacity to pick out uh, uh, some issues from other lifetimes that never got resolved that are now uh, possibly resolvable because we're in the era of psychology in one in one domain and one domain and philosophy and, and uh, a world of uh, linked by uh, electronic uh, means to get lots of knowledge out that was never out uh, in past lifetimes.
0: Now I want to there underline lots- that. Yeah. yeah, because that's an important assumption that I think a lot yes. of people wouldn't necessarily phrase that that like, yes. you can't necessarily heal your deepest soul wounds at any given time in history. There are times to do certain things and other times to yes. do other things. And the, exactly. the, the very easy argument to make, like nobody cared about your childhood wounding prior to 120 years ago, not in any kind of <laughs> and then, and then with the, yeah. yeah, with the behavioralists and what they did with it, there's still a lot of psychology that doesn't care about your childhood wounding. So it's only minimally starting to rise as a concern in humanity.
1: Nice, nicely put. So that's a really important uh, corollary that uh, you can't necessarily heal an issue in the same life that it, it's caused in. You yeah. have to heal, the, heal it later in the same domain that resonates with that past life but takes it forward to a new destination, mm-hmm. right? That's why I love English in so many ways, uh, in the sense that destiny and destination uh, oh, are, are, yeah. are rooted in the same dynamic. Uh, we, we are born, you could say we're born fated. Fate determines our unconscious expression of ourselves, but we, what we, we do in identity is help people heal from their in, innate fate to their uh, healed uh, uh, destiny. Uh, that's what conditioned
0: we do. fate,
1: conditioned fate uh-huh. uh, to reconditioned destiny. And I don't say unconditioned. If you're a Buddhist out there and, and think, well, if I claim to be non-dual and I should say unconditioned, and I say, mm-hmm, that's a limit of uh, the sagely uh, non-dual paradigm that's claimed it's not a paradigm, uh, is that uh, it is possible for human beings to transcend conditioning, even if it's just in the moment transcending a particular reaction.
0: Which is so interesting because... In the absence of any kind of psychological model, that's what you'd have to do. There's no reconditioning. There can only be conditioning or deconditioning. Yes. How could they have come up with reconditioning? Reconditioning what?
1: Yeah. Reconditioning uh, who? But that also, exactly what you say. An unconditioned as some sort of solution is completely bogus. It's impossible to be unconditioned. Mm-hmm. this is the world of conditions there's not one exception that's not conditioned nothing uh, and you can't you can't a part of you can't flood out of condition without splitting yourself right. and so you don't and, and holify yourself by transcending you deepen the split that's yeah. already been malconditioned into you by the world
0: yeah and then you're in universal love rather than personal love land and then you wonder why you start to die on the inside.
1: Yeah, I was just uh, reading, um, this is inside our domain here today, I was just reading uh, something I wrote a while back in one of my books uh, about uh, uh, temple priestesses Uh uh, who universalize um, uh, 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 the love that supposedly is, is... being embodied in giving their physical bodies and yonis to men's lingams and their desires, taking men to heaven, taking men to the divine. Because poor dears, they, they're too segmented or dense to get it themselves, right? Mm-hmm. But from, on the priestess side, I, it's, I'm sorry to state the obvious here, but the yoni is a personal thing. Yeah you can't universalize a personal thing and then say uh, the personal thing doesn't matter. They're two different domains and domain specific specificity is not a thing that's out there very well in in our world. Yeah. Well,
0: even in the broadest sense, like when someone dedicates their life to God. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Who did that? (laughs) Yes. The person did. (laughs) So every moment, every day for the rest of their lives, while they're giving up and giving up and giving up, they're the one doing that. You can't exclude the personal from that equation. There's always a person doing that.
1: Exactly. And that's in the content of the human. Personal yoni, I'm sorry, you can't universalize. It's a specific yoni that's doing the universal thing right now. Yeah, you can't yours. ever get away from
0: that. Yeah, it's a lovely <laughs> idea that you could somehow separate it and you know offer it to help humanity, but it just doesn't work that way.
1: And there's even one more killer kind of meta domain that's applying in that situation and that is the temple priestesses are taught that we're taught that if they do this of course they earn a spot in heaven oh god of course they the divine will smile upon them which is a personal result that they're doing this for also there's no way to subtract the personal even the personal i want to get to heaven is someone wanting a benefit no sacrifice no unconditional love everything's conditioned so this little uh, rabbit hole though fits perfectly with the purpose for being here because we're here you set up something you chose the parents most of the time you chose the parents that you got mother and father Um, sometimes or rarely once every 20 lifetimes or so 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 we ask our guys to roll the dice Uh, uh, and let them choose our parents so we see what we can do under unplanned circumstances. But that's every 20 lives or so, 30. Um, Most of the time we choose our parents, we choose them for specific reasons, and that's the reason, uh, purpose for being here. You pick parents who wound you this lifetime to recapitulate how life wounded you in past lives and once oh, nice. you acquire you acquire that disease that that disease disease of woundedness how life uh, hurt you last time you you choose parents who will recapitulate and do that to you in this life it's called spiritual homeopathy mm-hmm. spiritual homeopathy is the governing dynamic of reincarnation we 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 choose life situations, and starting with parents, that will recapitulate an issue that we've come in this life to specifically heal, and that specificity of healing can it can be a cluster of heal of issues associated with the same kind of wounding of, uh, and so. The purpose we have for being here is something that you chose, even if your guides had to kind of cajole you into it because you went, oh, I don't know if I can do that or I don't know that I'm ready to do that. If your guides say you're ready, you got to trust them because they can see things you don't.
0: Yeah, and this is super important, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this broadly because I think it applies to a lot of people, but it definitely applied to me too. That means if you've decided small why – Yes. <laughs> that you've decided that your life is about, you know, living comfortably and being happy. And that's not what your soul is here to do. Uh-huh. Guess who's going to win? <laughs> and, that, yeah. and that was me in one way. I mean, I always had a passion for truth, but I, um, I never uh, a small I me or whatever you want to call it, the, the green me. Never had any intention of, I mean, you know, in my late 20s, I was a, a, a business coach and I sort of stumbled into your work. Um, I, the only reason I was interested in therapy at all was because the woman I was with at the time thought things weren't going so well. I wasn't looking for it. And then a friend of a friend sort of uh, ended up, I ended up meeting you, but I wasn't a spiritual seeker, really. And I certainly hadn't, uh, you know, dead ended dozens of paradigms and therapists, and um, uh, and was like, I must find the thing that is the ultimate. I wasn't looking for any of that. It just uh, happened. And me, I just have discovered and learned over these years that meeting you was not an accident at all. It yeah. was very much part of destiny. And you know yes. what? There's still definitely a part of me coming to terms with that. That's just like he's like i didn't want any of this can't we just like isn't this enough already like what are you trying to do and he's complaining about my soul destiny
1: yes yeah so it's really reasonable for our protection to feel a victim of our incarnational imperative yeah exactly we want to for all the greens in the world who are listening (laughs) behind the ears of people who are conscious of their uh, conscious of their greens yet we want to honor the fact that that's reasonable for you Uh, it's like the necessary but not sufficient thing in logic Um, Mm -hmm. that's reasonable for you to feel that way and sorry um, there's a necessity for the soul to uh, fulfill its destiny in healing a specific wound or cluster of wounds, all under a common theme. Mm. So, that will
0: often get you not only a, a lack of recognition for following that, but sometimes outright judgment, derision. Um, you know, you don't necessarily get rewarded for following your soul path over no. your happiness path. You've described some of those choices in your life that were
1: no it's the exact opposite it's usually
0: the opposite yeah um it's usually
1: opposite uh my self-image uh was tied to uh offers i was made both in the musical domain and the the health delivery domain and uh though they i wish i could say they weren't seductive uh, but they were but i i have an inborn. Uh, knowledge ex- not knowledge experience when i put my foot off my destiny path i can feel it it's like walking on a narrow plank and i'm stepping on nothing then i know i'm all, i've got i got to make a choice a, a, dis- a choice up front and diverge from the path i'm on mm-hmm. so that it really uh, helps uh, the older uh, more experience you have here on earth the easier that becomes to to do but look what we're saying here joseph um uh, early on in our podcast series uh we talked about uh a couple three or four different things that would change the whole way we look at everything soul species soul age and reincarnation is one of those um it is such a reality that is not experienced uh and so not part of the integrated uh, uh, world as it is uh, only in its fringes and mostly uh but to have it would be such a uh a watershed event for the collective humanness that we all belong to, mm-hmm. to have reincarnation um, really be experienced as real. And what I what I answered why well, years and years ago and answered dozens of times since, mm-hmm. why don't we remember it? Uh, well, you haven't discovered the, the inner communicative modality necessary to feel and remember it and that is emotivity that's mm-hmm. that's the first you will find out all these things we're saying are true not by knowledgeing your way to it which is a which is a fishnut trying to pick up water like we say all the time you've got to do it with an emoto soulful um uh, uh, communicative band and bandwidth inside yourself self-communicative uh and you can't get to that while you're enthralled to the protector who doesn't want you to be your whole being because no one made room for your whole being when you were younger. So he doesn't want to, he or she, they don't want it to be recapitulated, all that hurt. But that very thing, you can't hear the authentic reality of your soul realities while you're being run by an inauthentic version of your personhood, i.e., our our blessed uh, shadow protector. And I say that blessed if if it wasn't operative in your life all of you who are listening you would not have arrived at this podcast yeah right it helped you get here by giving you just enough survivability to give a little bit of room for your soul to go your soul dynamics to go around the protection and be curious so you found this and that's so, what's so
0: difficult about letting it go because it's it's like yeah you know, it's it's literally the reason you're alive, and so negotiating with its retirement is um, far <laughs> it's from really easy. Really hard. Yeah.
1: Oh, I love that. I never heard it put that way. Uh, uh, our authentic emoto, emoto soulful authentic authentic soulful self. Its job is to retire the job our protector who formed when we were very young um, uh, is incapable of doing it became a, ba- a babysitter for us yeah. instead of an adult in charge of our life but thank god for that babysitter we needed the armoring until we could we could finagle our way to being curious about the bigger picture of hum- human uh, we human need, experience.
0: we need the armor as children so that we can be naked as adults
1: oh as usual you you sum up these things so beautifully joseph right. yes uh, we need the armor of childhood to be the nakedness as an adult without it we never would have made it not in this world as it is yeah so reincarnation uh the experience of reincarnation imparts something so radically different it changes your whole experience of human life I, i remember what's between lifetimes I remember past lives like most people who remember high school, like I've said before. You can do this. I'm not that. I'm special in, in a way of I was born with things that a lot of people aren't. I, I get that. But it doesn't make me any less human in my own difficulties. To, and
0: it adds challenges, too.
1: Oh, God. When you're born with those innate gifts, it fucks you up for learning how to be a human. Uh, and that's been—I'll be seventy-two this year—and I'm finally learning how to blend my humanness with my innate spiritual gifts. It's finally, just beginning. So, and, uh, but I had to invent a paradigm uh, to get it done for me. So that's a triple crazy knot that has been for yeah, me. Yeah,
0: I'll give an example um, for me. What I notice in my protector is my—I um, I once had a, a third eye teacher. Um, she asked me to it was in a little class setting, she asked me, the premise of the moment was, "Let's see how your third eye works." And she said, um, "Do you have a past life with my son?" who I, I knew?" And she said and I said, "Yeah, I think so." She said, "Okay, I'm going to watch you looking to see that past life, uh-huh, go and look." Uh-huh. And she was uh-huh. watching to see how I did that. Uh-huh. And so we did that for a moment and I said what I saw and she's like, uh-huh. Okay. She goes, now remember something like from when you were 10 years old and I did that. And she was watching me with her third eye the whole time. And, and then she said, was the quality of both of those memories really different or pretty much the same? And she already mm-hmm. knew the answer. And the answer yes, was they were the same. And she's like, yeah, that's not supposed to be how it is. Your this life memories are supposed to be qualitatively different from your past life memories, Mm -hmm. but they're not for me and they're not for you either. I would imagine. No, And one of the ways my protector has hijacked that is by not taking this life seriously enough. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the drawbacks, because one of the reasons we don't remember our past lives is so that we're fully invested in this life. Yes. Because if you remember other ones, it tends to divest and feed yeah. into depression and laziness and other kinds of things, and that makes it really difficult to take any given moment really seriously. Because there's this back door of like, well, if this doesn't work, I can try again next life.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you brought up that dimension um, because that's another really good reason why we don't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get, We have to get. We had to get the job done here in some minimum ways. So, if you try to cultivate um, a third eye access to the Akashika or to past life issues of pre incarnational imperatives, um, and you can't do it, it doesn't work, it's not good for you right at this moment. Just keep at it. Uh, yeah. it'll, it'll one day uh, pop for you.
0: And so, whereas, like other people like Mozart and like Eddie Van Halen, people who are just virtuosos and never had to train for it, they brought in past life training, obviously, and it was useful for whatever their incarnative uh, imperatives were.
1: Exactly. So, to sum up here with number five in our list, uh, that you have a specific purpose for being here, I only I get two main questions, if I could say this, uh, in all the readings that people have asked me to do for them, uh, not not personal um, processing shadow work but uh psychic reads they want to know uh two two things that uh, they, they want to know um, do they have a mate this life and what is their purpose being here uh, those are the two most often requests for a read uh and i, I just want to say if i haven't done a reading for you and then one day i do in this future i'd like to preface <laughs> with this uh that um the purpose uh that you're asking for you have to find it. Um, there's a, 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 a movie, what was it with Billy Crystal and Jack Palance? Uh, city slickers.
0: sorry, city slickers, city slickers, the one thing,
1: where, the one thing uh, I'll do this. I'll say this for, you know, you and I have identical taste in films. A lot of the times, mm-hmm. you know, or we, they're memorable to us where this, uh, really hardened dude, you know, uh, uh, the city slickers come to have a weekend or a, a week in, uh, in, a, in a, real cattle grazing, a uh, cattle farm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he tries to tell the, the hardened leathery guy who, you know, it feels like you could break, you could take that guy, uh, city slickers head, uh, hand, his hands and just
0: Crush it like so grizzled i think jack Pallins died like within a year after making that or something he I, was I, really he did,
1: like, not, grizzled is a good yeah, word totally grizzled. anyway he tried to tell the city slicker billy crystal uh you know there's only one thing uh that's important in life and billy crystal goes well what is it i i, I kind of he the character is intimating that he, he kind of can feel that but okay so tell me what it is please and he holds up his hand and he says, and that, well, that's for you to find out what yeah, it is. Yeah,
0: it's very built up, yeah. Oh, man. You decide.
1: That, that's exactly what we're saying here. If you ask about purpose, I can—I a reader like me can help you um, uh, get to how what some of the things you think is your purpose isn't. But in the end, I can't give that to you. You've got to give that to you. Even if I can see it, I can't give it to you. Because that would be abrogating the social, the the agreement I have as a reader, not to interfere with your own soulful emergence. Uh, so, but I can give you a reading about a mate, but I can't give you a reading about your purpose, but I can give you some hints and clues what it's not. So,
0: but what about like soul themes? I mean, you can get awfully close to someone's yes. purpose, Yes. Why they chose the parents that they chose, for example.
1: Right. But I can't name it. I, I can offer cues and hope they connect the dots after the reading's
0: over. Yeah.
1: Uh, but I, I just can't name it specifically. Because They're that would be
0: here. robbing their self-authority.
1: Exactly right. And uh, I used to be more in dis- less discriminant about that in earlier uh, years of my life. Uh, I was so eager to have anyone, anyone... To avail themselves to validate me with my gifts, that I would not have a a, a lot of um, in earlier years a good focus on what I should say and what I shouldn't say. I can't stop what I see, but I can choose how it, I. You know, it take
0: reminds it. me a bit of um, the Neo and Oracle conversations in the Matrix. Yeah. There's um, the in the second and third movies, and now there's a fourth that was actually decent. Um, the, those conversations aren't very good, and they're metaphysically sloppy. But I uh, I did an article that eventually will be on the Identity uh, website about the the conversation um, about am I the one or not? There and there's a really good example. It's she's, oh, yes. she's making cookies, and and <laughs> there's this really cool moment where uh, she's reading out his own self doubt. And yeah. he's there ostensibly to, to the whole setup is she's going to tell you whether you're yes. the one or not. That's the setup. And we're in Neo's mind. And Morpheus is like, yeah, we're going to see the we're going she'll validate he's invested yeah. because he's yeah. found Morpheus has found Neo. And so yeah. he, Neo's expectation is like, I'm just this normal guy and you're going to tell me whether I'm the one. Yeah. And what she does is absolutely brilliant. And most people don't catch it. Where she goes, well, um, you know, she looks at him and like pretends she's doing like a physical exam, (laughs) which is just (laughs) absurd. And he's all (laughs) awkward and doesn't know what's going on. And she goes, she goes this, this and this and this. But and then she makes him him say she goes, but and he goes, I'm not the one. And then she goes, sorry, kid, you've got the gift, but but something's missing. You're waiting for something, maybe. Yes. And so, what's so interesting is everybody who sees it interpret, and I certainly did, interprets it as like, "Oh, she just told him he's not the one." Uh-huh. No, <laughs> no, he told her she's not the one.
1: <laughs> that he wasn't the one, and she yes. freaking
0: says, "You've got the gift, but you're waiting for something." But they <laughs> film it in such a way that the the viewer yeah. is left with, "Oh, he's not the one, I guess." Yeah, and 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 then he has True. to work out his relationship with his own destiny, which is the rest of the film. It's exactly. Totally brilliant. Yeah you remind me of
1: something that i i think i i'm a little afraid to say this but i think i am going to say it um the third time i saw uh took me three times uh, uh, and the third time i saw uh, matrix in the theater at that time uh, i had to leave because it, it, near one of these points because I realized that in some metaphoric applied way i was both neo and morpheus Mm -hmm. that i was searching for some um, universal non-absolute truth uh, because i knew divine being is the only one that can hold absolute truth if we could use that word But as a human, it's impossible for any human to have absolute truth. So I was looking for universal truth, and that was my Morpheus searching. Mm -hmm. And then um, uh, coming, uh, I'm a Neo in the sense of being a paradigm inceptor, uh, uh, like and not that different in different domains, like uh, Galileo or Copernicus and and physical domains, right? And so um, when I realized that I was the searcher and the searchee. I I couldn't bear it in the rest of the movie uh, because all the expressions of the one is a magical kind of um, capacities that other humans can't do. Basically
0: power, yeah.
1: Mostly power. And so it took me a while to go see it a fourth time um, after I had had settled that in because it's exactly along these lines. I I was wrestling with my own destiny. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I thought I was Morpheus for about half my life, and then around 40, I realized I was Morpheus and Neo. Again, mm-hmm. not Neo with magic powers, but just a new paradigm yeah So uh,
0: it'd
1: be, it was a really difficult thing for me to come to truth with my own destiny. Mm-hmm. What I then, after I made semi-pieces, then I remembered my incarnational imperative was central. This was That was a central theme to yeah. my, that uh, no one could tell me what it was, and I had to evolve it.
0: Yeah. So. And, and you know, I, I think uh, as a paradigm inceptor, and there have been many uh, in, in the world um, and throughout history, but the, mm-hmm. there's something uniquely applicable to you about that. And I'd say, you know, the, the, to me, the point of the matrix is that we're all NEOs.
1: Yes. In one
0: way or another.
1: Yes. Exactly.
0: Cypher represents our protector that says, I don't care whether this is real or not. I want to do what feels good. I I want to taste (laughs) that
1: steak. (laughs) I want to be famous.
0: (laughs) I want to be rich. And I don't, I'm eating this steak and I don't It's so brilliantly done. I'm, I know this is an illusion and ignorance is bliss. He says that's,
1: that's great. And and what what I so love the Wachowskis didn't didn't have really know what they were really putting out there, <laughs> but agreed. they somehow intuited it or channeled some really important truths that identity would has explicitly uh, defined. Yeah, uh, and I, they were already defined that way when I saw the Matrix. So I was astounded by the resonance between the Wachowskis what they did there and. Uh, and, and so, you know, what occurs so.
0: to me related to this topic today about destiny is, um, so we've already established, no one can tell you what your destiny is, but like the Oracle does, they can sort of give you some parameters and hints and nudges. Mm-hmm. And then I believe the Oracle says at the very end of that conversation, something about poor Morpheus, you know, you're going to have to decide between your life and his, yes. and, and which is the main, the only real content based message um, that he, that Neo gets from her. And then that ends up being the parameters by which he discovers he's the one. So it's a life based, real content based crisis where he has to dig deep and really face this issue of like, do I trust my own abilities and, um, or, or, not. And that's how it often is, right? We we're tested by life and we either find deeper aspects of ourselves or not.
1: Yeah, exactly right. Uh, it was the helicopter scene on top of the skyscraper and yeah. Satan trying to save um, Morpheus's life. Um, yeah. the uh, the um, what you call it? Uh, the that, agents. That made it, yeah, the agents to make it only experience can can re- reveal to you what your destiny is.
0: And there's this scene, I believe it's the same scene that brings tears to my eyes just thinking about it because there's this whole thing I've d- I've, d- I've thought about the Matrix Most people would say probably way too much, but I wrote like 4,000 words about these different scenes that, um, notice how agent Smith is always calling him Mr. Anderson.
1: Yes.
0: That's the local personality. And Neo is his sole name.
1: Yes, exactly. And so
0: that's why the agent is always sort of derisively and dismissively calling him Mr. Anderson and he and then when he he finally at certain points says my name is Neo and that's where he claims his soul self and that's the pivot yeah. point where he can be greater than the uh, the uh, the protector Agents. self represented by Neo.
1: Yeah, the the on purpose intention to keep him small by calling him Mr. Anderson. Yeah.
0: Right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, beautiful. And, uh, and the, uh, which first starts in that scene, uh, when, um, the interrogation room and he's got this file and he says, you know, and you've got, seems like you've been living two lives. There's the soul self versus the uh, local personality self. So it's a brilliant treatment about destiny and it's about you. That's the message we have.
1: Yes. It's about you. So if you'd like some hints and cues and or oracular kind of inferences, um, Uh, There are a lot of great um, channelers and guides out there to ask kinds of questions like that that cost thousands of dollars. Um, If you're interested in that um, through Joseph's uh, podcast uh, portal here, it's $185. um, I charge for 90 minutes to two hours of a read, so it's really reasonable. If that is interesting to you, have at me. Um, and i can
0: tell you from experience that stasis reads are far less obtuse than the oracles in the matrix uh you probably won't <laughs> get a cookie <laughs> which is the symbol of here have a cookie have some content go back to your happy life and see how it is not being in your destiny try eat the cookie you know isn't real um, yes. <laughs> but uh yeah i can vouch for for stasis reads and the power of them but i, I still feel like there's more we should talk about like for someone who says okay so you can help me discover what my destiny is but you can't tell me what could we say about how someone can discover their own destiny
1: well um the headline answer is you can't while the your protective self has more percentage uh management control of your life than you do the soul the the voice of your own Um, soulful being which the dharma for which we call ensoulment in three different domains it's really an ensoulment to discover you have to discover the how to access the voice of your own soul being to find out your your destiny Um, and so that's the headline which means you've got to do a, a dharma reconditioning of to get the default Uh, you only have about a third as your authentic self, which couldn't be stopped by your protector, flowing out and around your armor. Uh, and and um, you've got to at some point get it to be fifty five forty five, where you are actually insold 5 percent uh, more than ten uh, percent more than your protective self. And we have the dharma that's emotional body enlightenment ensoulment uh, So uh, that's the first answer: is how can I? Well, you can't with your your what we call by shorthand from Bree the green aspect, uh, the gold aspect of you, which is your soulful being has to have it has automatic access to divine being to reincarnation you you don't have to believe anything we say here your own soul being will verify and validate what we're saying here Mm -hmm. so that's do some ebe is all we can say um if you've got a certain set of bandwidths of your gold from past life, uh, enlightenments and stuff. You can go a little further with that than the average person. If you've got sage and sane enlightenments or third eye cultivation already innate, yeah, because then, then you be can remember to, past
0: lives and intuit it, themes. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. And, but you know, Joseph, half the time people ask me for readings along these, in this domain, they do have, uh, access to past lives they've already got some but they they are and snarled in it they're conflicted about it they don't know yeah. how to solve their access and that's that's the best kind of um, uh, uh, to ask for help for is that kind of thing when you're confused by what you remember and feel these are feeling pictures not picture pictures mm. they're based in a sensibility that you feel here but the access to which is here in in sixth chakra, but it's felt first and fourth. It's a feeling-based picture. So um, I can help with uncovering what's on top of your soul voice that will answer your own question. Um, but you've got to do the work on yourself too, because by default, how many times do we say, Joseph, where two, two thirds are yeah. protected self by default?
0: Yeah. Un- unfortunately, that's the only really reliable way. I'd add a, a couple of things that might be helpful for people. Um, one is the learning things the hard way, and that is by looking at your biggest failures, in your life and reframing them as running into the guardrails of your own soul saying, Nope, that's not the right path. Nope. That's not the right path. Is there a theme to those kinds of things? Um, where life has been supporting your own soul by saying no to, um, wrong turns that you've made. Um, I've, I've had plenty of those and they've that's kept me on track. So when I look back, I can see like, Oh, right. Like, those were not the right things for me and like for example i got really burned out on uh i was good in academia but hated it almost the whole time uh, and started to act out, and, and that's what steered me away from becoming a professor. I easily could have done that and used to fantasize about it. Or uh, becoming a lawyer, because I'm really good at arguing. It doesn't matter whether it's true or not. I can win any argument. I could, I've argued lawyers <laughs> under the table in my younger years because I just have that gift. But um, when I graduated college, I was so depressed by academia, I couldn't have bared going to law school um, yeah. it, it would have killed me. Um, plus all that memorization and uh, case law stuff it would have killed me. The other thing I would want to say is, um, I know I mentioned this before, but um, the for me, there were some big uh, uh, childhood imprints that I got when I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark and was like, they, you can talk to God. I want that. You know, it was like, I was just possessed <laughs> by that. And, uh, when I saw empire strikes back at age five or six, I was like, I want to be a Jedi. I don't care whether it's real or not. <laughs> and then, so I would say to anybody, like, that doesn't happen for everyone. But if you go back to like before age 10, when the soul has all, it's a lot less protected. Yes. You know, what lit you up then? I think there are often are clues that can be hmm. interpreted.
1: Wow. That's really those two. That's really good advice. I would never have thought of that from where I sit, Um, but you can translate so many of these things to more applied domains than I could, having given my whole life over to accepting the principles.
0: It's different for you and
1: and beginning. It's different for me. So it's beautiful you say that because after I turned down both um, a medical career and uh, a musical uh, um, singer songwriter career. I asked divine being, um, which I had access to since I was born. Can't take credit for it, uh, except that I have it. Uh, wh- how about I just get my PhD in philosophy, uh, academia, right? Mm-hmm. And. Uh, I heard this pregnant silence on the other side. <laughs> the
0: and, sound of the divine waiting for you oh to realize God. it's a dumb and question. I knew I know that I went, <laughs> okay, that was a
1: stupid question, but just from the silence. But then the voice gently came and with a smile in it. The tone was a smile. I said, time to put away the toys. Yeah. Uh, and so um, that's how I knew that. Oh, fuck. I've got to follow the narrowest path of a new way of looking at everything Mm -hmm. how the fuck am i gonna do that as a human being you know Mm -hmm. and i just gave myself over to it and thank god like and i want to mention this too joseph and i are very much alike we were so in some ways just our version of coping we were so uh, found no real way to know how to translate our soulful something, even if we couldn't articulate it, into humanness. It was all, wait, I don't fit here. And a lot of people say I just don't fit. But Joseph and I both utilized films, movies, to learn about what human capacities were (sighs) that we couldn't find in our family and our local neighborhood. You know, Mm -hmm. there was the world, every movie is a philosophical treatise on a reality, Mm -hmm. as we've said before. And if it wasn't for films, neither Joseph and I would have been able to have a temporary uh, steps to um, get to where we were going. For me, the one that was uh, completely, uh, 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 paradigmatic for me was the Indiana Jones one where he has to step onto a
0: bridge ah, yes. that,
1: ha- that you couldn't see was camouflaged. That was the second one. I think,
0: um, uh, second it? or third, I think it was the Either third way. Yeah. Uh, the invisible it, bridge, the act of faith step, mm, the, the act of faith. faith
1: step that cemented for me. How did the filmmaker know that that is the story of my life? Mm -hmm. I had to walk an invisible bridge. I remember what he does. He puts his hand on his chest, closes his eyes, puts his right foot out there, and boom it's uh, there. I've had to do that my whole life, Mm -hmm. and that's a torture in itself. Just when I think, oh, well, I've got this down, then there's another moment on the bridge where it's invisible and I have to put my foot down on it. So um, in that sense, films for me and for Joseph – have been one of the richest ways that we've been able to create a scaffold for our gold soulful being to find its way, without which I don't think I could have
0: yeah and and so the um just to add on what i was saying before by the way uh, films and tv they were also my friends growing up i don't think i would have survived without that yeah, my, same for me my lady's same. always making fun of me like oh are you visiting with your friends when i'm watching tv like uh, my memory is so poor i can finish eight seasons of some tv show and then watch it all again a year later and
1: it's almost new Me too. Me too. Exactly the same.
0: Uh, But, um, to, to reframe with this destiny conversation, if you reframe your life as being a series of success and failures, if you reframe that instead as a series of feedback moments where you're on your destiny path or off your destiny path, right. Then you can start to intuit quite a lot, uh, about what, uh, needs to be going, uh, needs to be happening for you, and because I, I always think of like the uh, the fly uh, charging against the window trying to get out. It's like this time, no, this time, this time, and sometimes that's the way we learn. Is we we all are dead-ending things. Now we talked about this before. You didn't dead-end so many things really at all, and that's mm. un, unusual uh, and unique about you. But most people, including myself, we're we're dead-ending things, and so. Mm. Um, to be just to start with that as a premise of like, it's not a matter of whether or not for most people, whether or not they're dead ending something right now, you are dead ending something right now. (laughs) Yeah. That would be a useful question to consider so that you can learn from it rather than grip harder and beat your head against the wall. And that will help you find the midline of your destiny a lot faster.
1: Oh, beautifully said. Well articulated, Mr. Mann. Yes. And yes. reminds me of, uh, when I lived in Sedona for a while, uh, lived in a, uh, uh, where a place where they had a garage door that you could open. I lived in the garage apartment and, uh, I would notice that, um, uh, the Bella's, uh, no, no not, not
0: <laughs> dragonflies, dragonflies, That's Bella's. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, uh, dragonflies, lots of dragonflies in Sedona and they would get in the, the garage door was open. So they'd come right in and then bang against the windows on the garage and I would have to trap them but before and take them out. But I, I was astounded, it was such a clear, clear teaching to me. There's the wide open space and yet they're hitting against a small Is an
0: entire st- wall available open, that isn't open. there? Yes. <laughs>
1: and, and that that is exactly the metaphor for how our soul aperture, our aperture to our, the, the aperture to our soul is of a whole order of magnitude different than what we dead end in. Yeah. And to get guidance and to finally find your soul voice, that garage door reality was there all along and you just no one helped you get conditioned to how to find that open garage door just waiting for you to stop trying to (laughs) bump against smaller windows of escape.
0: You know, what just hit me related to that is um, another Matrix reference. There's uh, the symbolism of that Cypher is the one who is offering uh, Neo the drink of this horrible tasting moonshine. Oh, yes, right. And he's the one who is the purveyor of the drug on yes. on that uh, ship. And there's another clue there. And that is yes. whatever you uh, might be doing, whatever behaviors or life structures you have in your life that are helping you to not feel your deepest pain, yes. which is helpful in one way because it makes you feel better, but it is going to keep you from connecting with the, your own soul destiny at the same time because uh, the unfortunately that we we suffer as a result of not following our own destiny path and if we numb that pain then we can't follow well the direction it's giving us and that that's so the subject well of medications
1: said. and i uh, I'm going to play off that one. I mean, we just can't get out of this rabbit hole, which is great. But the framework that you offer some really down to earth rubber meets the road guidances on how to find your own destiny. Uh, I've got one to add uh, mm-hmm. now that you mentioned the framework, which I wouldn't have thought of. And that is that um, uh, sink into your negative emotions.
0: Yeah. The most important ones
1: mm-hmm. Our negative emotions. By the way, there's no such thing as any. Of course, you will heard this many times. But the ability, what you need help to do, you can't just make a will and say, I'm going to sink into my negative emotions. But that's a start. Uh, But with help, you realize at some point that negative emotions are the only compost Mm. or fertilizer that allows you to downline cultivate the sunflower blossom of your soul. That uh, it may smell like shit, um, it may be repellent and goopy and ugly that compost uh, garbagey. It's a good metaphor for how we don't want to feel our negative emotions, but our negative emotions are the doorways, are the fertilizer to our soulful destiny down line. But there's another way to start stop negativizing negative emotions as your own. And get some help to drop into them. Make a list of your deepest uh, negative emotions you don't want to feel and why, maybe. Mm-hmm. Bring it to a helper, uh, even a standard psychologist. You, you'll get more out of it if you bring that. Uh, as long as you don't get a, a psychologist who says reframe your thinking. Uh, go to a go to a gestalt and uh, mm-hmm. uh, therapist and 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 take. There's something you could also do that's down to earth.
0: And this is, of course, completely opposite. So much conditioning, even psychological professional help that delivers to us ideas. Was it called a glimmer? We talked about the anti-trigger thing. Yeah. Yeah, So like one of the things, as an example, one of the things I'm working on right now is the current protector I'm working with has an achievement med medication. So when, uh, and I've got, I live on like a small farm, so there's endless things to do all the time. Uh, which, uh, creates this overwhelm. And then, then in order to deal with the overwhelm and anxiety and dread, it's more dread feeling, I'll achieve a bunch of stuff and then feel better. And then at like six or seven o'clock, my protector is counting up what I, what he achieved in the day. So he knows how much self-worth to feel. That's his paradigm,
1: Wow! which I've had
0: my entire, I'm a three, I'm an Enneagram three. So that's oh, that how we balance. roll. Right. Makes sense. There's like an inventory at the end of the day. It's like, okay, how good can I feel about myself based on what I did? And I'd say what I've noticed, I was talking to Bree about this on, on Monday, there's about two days a week where I don't do that. And then I start to gain some gold momentum and then get overwhelmed. And my protector shows up and starts trying to manufacture self-worth and trying to deal mm-hmm. with all the negative feelings, so-called negative feelings in that way. And so, Yesterday, there's lots of things to do. I was starting to feel some pain and shakiness and anxiety and just difficult emotions. I was like, all right, that's it. I'm going to lie in bed for as long as it takes and just feel this. And that's my only goal, not to do anything with it, not to make it go away, just really intentional, just sitting there feeling it. And it felt almost as uncomfortable as like food poisoning. Like I would need to get up and throw up. At point, it was like in it. that in yeah. the neighborhood of that. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I just kept
0: bringing myself back to it, back to it, back to it. It was, it was, it was difficult to do because it was largely existential. It wasn't really about anything. It was just yeah. about being. And yes. there was some fear of not being in there as well. And some tears came, and then suddenly I had all this energy. Whereas before I didn't at all, I was sort of dragging myself through the day and I went and walked three miles at a pretty fast pace and was like, wow, where did that come from? And that's my thing every day. Like I will lie every afternoon. I will lie there and feel whatever I feel, no matter what, no matter what I have to do to show my protector that he doesn't have to guard those things. And I've known about this, these principles for a really long time, and I still am finding, I think what's different about it, and it comes a, just as I say this, I realize I think what's different about it is the, the pain is, is so existential. My protector is like, there's nothing you can do with that.
1: No, they, they can't protect against that. They can't. Yeah, they can't. You're right.
0: So but my protector's like content. Yeah. So my protector's story was like, there's no substance to this, therefore there's no point in feeling it. Just move on with your life. You can't do anything about this because it goes back lifetimes after lifetimes after lifetimes. His picture is like, you're always going to have this. Why would you feel it? Yes. I didn't even yeah. get that until this moment, and now it's like, oh um, no just because it's not substantive doesn't mean it can't be emoto soulfully processed. And I showed him that yesterday and Thanks. God damn it. I'm going to show it show him again today. <laughs> Although with less will uh, and more love.
1: <laughs> beautifully said when you get near the last 20% of your healing are of insolvent, um, something magical happens and Joseph, just named it I'll, I'll put a frame to it that the mere feeling of the thing you don't want to feel is the healing Mm -hmm. Uh, up until that time you've got to mercilessly be open to deconstructing your uh, all the insidious ways your green is stymieing your soulful emergence but at some point in the last 20 percent, the last third or quarter of your arc uh is uh this is what happens you the protector has no way to stop feeling existential it's too um upstream of content so uh but there's the feeling of it and that's what joseph you described joseph lying in bed and feeling it and then where did all this energy come from Mm -hmm. right um and that's there's the, the feeling is the healing in the end It's, you gotta, that takes a while to get there, but, um, wow, what a gift that is for all the hours and days and months and years. Sometimes you, well, I
0: sure hope it's the last third or fourth or whatever, because it's these days i it's the, you know, the beginner mind thing. I feel like it's so obvious in one way. I I feel like a total beginner again. I'm like, I don't know anything, but I guess that's a good sign.
1: Well, that's the sign that you are in the last third or (laughs) fourth. Yeah is because um exactly what you just said you get a humility of Mm -hmm. i'm just a beginner if you feel like you're pretty sophisticated in what you've accomplished i promise you you're not to the last
0: i've done that too but (laughs) no humbler and humbler is the way of the soul
1: humbler and humbler you got to be so strong to get humble it's uh the, the 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 uh the 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 in- inauthentic version protectors are either and most of them are have both are undervaluing themselves or overvaluing themselves as compensation for something that wasn't healable for them, bless their hearts. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they've got either unworthiness is as deep un non-negotiable unworthiness is just as arrogant as, uh, megalomania.
0: Yeah. I, I so, call that pathological humility. there you go (laughs) very popular in aa and other forms of christianity just like i'm a sinner you know i'm no better and you can feel the 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 smug pride in it oh
1: god you can feel
0: it it looks very noble yeah um, but it's there's something else going on yeah
1: okay well i think that was a fairly deep dive that had also a little shallower, um, uh, uh, experiences that were possible to open doors to some of the deep stuff. So, yeah. um, feels good to me, uh, that we completed number 5 on I'm
0: number nervous. Five, today. five of currently 18. Um, number yes. six, which we'll possibly cover likely cover next time is that your will won't take you where you need to go. Um, something we've talked about a lot, but, um, uh, here and there, but to make a focus out of that,
1: isn't it's it? so lovely. Um, this is a great um, additional dimension to the podcast that you mentioned uh, what the next one will be very specifically. Yeah,
0: I've never been able to do that before.
1: Right. I mean, but here we've got a list of 18. We, we have to figure out a way how to keep applying this uh, because that, that really does bridge um, the interest uh, for people. Uh, yes, yeah, sure. And a gift uh, to say yes or no to it. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, so... Yeah
0: okay yeah thanks stace thanks and uh thank you all for listening and um if you ever have any questions i'm sure you can figure out how to reach us but you can always email me at joseph josef at clear and open.com but you can find our respective websites and remember mm-hmm. if you want some hints and nudges and parameters around what your destiny might be stace can definitely help you with that i can speak from experience he's done that for me many times and um it's, it's a real art, I want to say. It's a, it's a real art and skill that you have to be able to, I mean, it's the skill of, of using leadership wisely to, as uh, the phrase I learned from you, to use your authority to support other people's self-authority. Yes. That's mm-hmm. a, a rare thing that a leader can do, and that's what real leadership is.
1: Well, thank you. I accept that as true and real now but i failed my way in that domain to where i am now me too uh, mm-hmm. um we i failed spectacularly uh, to learn the lesson that i knew in intuitively but couldn't embody so i can take that because i know how much i failed to get here
0: mm-hmm. so yeah thanks joseph yeah you're so welcome tune in next time for the next realization we've got many more to come and uh thanks so much for listening bye for now Thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. To learn more about Stace Barron and Identity, please visit Identity.org. To learn more about Joseph Shapiro, visit clearandopen.com. Until next time, we wish you well on your journey.